Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. You may have heard about a clinical trial of patients with rectal cancer, all of whom saw their cancer vanish after taking a particular drug. The amazing results are encouraging, even though the study was so small. And here to tell us more about this drug and the trial is Dr. Marima Ramovic. She's a medical oncologist who treats cancers, including rectal cancer. Welcome to The Informed Patient, Dr. Ramovic. Hello, thank you for having me. So please tell us about this drug that seems to have worked so well. What's the name of it? The drug is called dosarolimab. It is an immunotherapy. Immunotherapy is a treatment uh, that uses the person's own immune system to fight cancer. I've heard it described as a checkpoint inhibitor. What is that? Immunotherapy drugs fall under checkpoint inhibitors. And basically, part of how our immune system works is by using checkpoint proteins on immune cells. These checkpoints act like switches that need to be turned on or off to start an immune response. So cancer cells sometimes find ways to use these checkpoints to avoid being attacked by the immune system. So the immune system doesn't see them and they continue growing and spreading. So these medications, they're called immune checkpoint inhibitors. So they're preventing cancer cells from turning off the immune system. So this isn't the first checkpoint inhibitor. This type of medication existed before this drug was created. Is that right? That is correct. Some of the more common drugs um, that are used is pembrolizumab, nivolumab. They're also known as, their brand names are Keytruda. Uh, and Updevo. And probably people have seen ads for those medications on television. That is correct. If you have cable TV, I am sure you have seen an ad for Keytruda and Updevo. What are the side effects that are expected with checkpoint inhibitors? So most patients tolerate the medications really well. Some of the more common side effects that we see could be tiredness, maybe an upset stomach, maybe a rash. Some people can have more more severe side effects like severe diarrhea. It can affect their lungs, but generally it's, it's, it's well tolerated. Can all patients take checkpoint inhibitors or are there any contraindications? Not all patients can be treated with checkpoint inhibitors. Patients who have autoimmune disease or who have suspected autoimmune disease, such as multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, we typically do not treat those patients since it can make their disease a lot worse. And of course, patients who have had a severe or life-threatening side effect to the checkpoint inhibitor. Now, this study that took place at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, the researchers presented the results at the annual meeting of the American Society of Clinical Oncology in early June, and it was widely covered by the national media. 
Have you had patients ask you about this new medication? Yes, I get at least a patient a day who asks about this medication. How do you explain the research and its significance? So the clinical trial looked at patients who have locally advanced rectal cancer. And those patients had what's called mismatch repair deficient cancers. So what is mismatch repair deficiency in a tumor? Well, our DNA, which holds our entire genetic imprint, has a system in, in place that is called DNA mismatch repair, which corrects any type of mistakes that have happened during DNA replication when our DNA divides. And defects in this mismatch repair can lead to what's called microsatellite instability, I. So there are patients that have lots of defects and they're called MSI high. And then there are patients' tumors that are MSI stable so that they don't have it. So when it comes to rectal cancer, colorectal cancer, not a lot of patients have mismatch repair deficiency. So in this study, they had 12 patients who had locally advanced rectal cancer who had the mismatch repair deficient tumors. And what they did is they gave them dostarolumab once every three weeks for a total of six months. And the plan was to follow them, to follow the treatment by standard chemo, radiotherapy, and surgery. And patients who had complete clinical response after completing six months of dostarolumab therapy would then proceed without chemotherapy and surgery. So to backtrack a little bit, Typical treatment for locally advanced rectal cancer is chemotherapy with radiation followed by surgery. So in this study, what they wanted to know is, can we give patients immunotherapy and maybe avoid chemotherapy and radiation and surgery? So that's what they set out to find out. So what they saw was quite remarkable that all of the 12 patients, so 100% of patients, had a complete clinical response, meaning when they went back in, they did not see any, any residual disease. So those patients ended up having a PET scan, endoscopic evaluation, a digital rectal exam, or biopsy, and none of the patients required chemotherapy, radiation therapy, or surgery. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith. I'm talking with Dr. Marima Ramavik. She's a medical oncologist who treats cancer, including rectal cancer. We're talking about the results of a study from earlier this year showing some remarkable, well, beyond improvement. It, would you use the word cure, Dr. Ramavik? We typically don't use the word cure until patients have been without active cancer for five years. We typically say in remission, 
or no evidence of disease. Hearing about these patients, though, who saw their cancer vanish while they were in this trial, as a medical oncologist, were you surprised to see 100%? I was surprised, but quite happy about these results. This means that for some patients, we may be able to avoid chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery. So the drug dostarlamab, at this point, has it been FDA approved so that a physician like yourself would be able to prescribe it if you thought it would help your patient? We are able to use the, this drug, yes. Let me ask you, how common is complete remission in someone being treated for rectal cancer? Do you see that often? So our goal when we set out to treat patients with rectal cancer is obviously cure. Most patients or many patients are cured. However, at this time, when I sit down with a patient and I tell them the plan, there are no predictors that I can use or markers that will tell me patient A is going to be cured and patient B will not be cured. So there's no way to predict how the treatment is going to work. There is no way to predict. At this point, does treatment usually include radiation and surgery and chemotherapy of some sort or medication of some sort? Standard treatment for rectal cancer is chemotherapy along with radiation. So the chemotherapy allows the radiation to work better. So it, it's a radiation sensitizer. And the radiation prevents or is supposed to prevent a local recurrence. This is usually followed by surgery and then by additional chemotherapy. Sometimes we give chemotherapy with radiation, followed by chemotherapy, followed by surgery. So if larger trials are done with more patients of this dostarlamab, and treatment standards change, would that potentially mean that patients could avoid radiation and surgery in order to have rectal cancer treated? That is correct. We need to continue following, and they are following these 12 patients to see how well they're doing. When the study was published, some patients were followed as long as 25 months. So a couple years out, but we still need more work. More work has to be done. Would the drug potentially be used for other cancers beyond rectal cancer, or is it designed just for rectal cancer? This drug potentially can be used for other cancers. Do people who are newly diagnosed with rectal cancer or any type of GI cancer, do they typically undergo genetic testing of their tumors? There are different types of genetic testing. So there's genetic testing in patients who have a strong family history of cancer where we suspect hereditary syndromes. So that's one type of genetic test that we do. The best example is the BRCA mutation, BRCA mutation, for breast cancer patients. So there's that genetic testing. 
And then there is molecular testing, where we look at the genetics of the cancer itself, of the cancer cells themselves. We do do testing on all stage four cancer patients and almost all stage three cancer patients. There's some exceptions here or there. So you would need the results from that testing before you could say whether those Starlimab might help somebody. Is that right? That's correct. Well, I know that you're excited about the results of this drug trial. What do you say to the patients who come in and ask about whether it could be an option for them or their loved ones? So when I first meet with patients and their family or friends in the exam room, although due to COVID, the amount of persons allowed in the exam room is limited, and I hope that's going to change soon as I want important people in the exam room to hear what we have to say. So when a person comes in to the office, I typically review the findings, this, the imaging, and I come up with a treatment plan. If the mismatch repair testing hasn't been done, I will order that. And the turnaround is, is pretty quick. So the treatment decision is made in the beginning before we start treatment. Well, that's good to know. Thank you so much for making time for this interview, Dr. Ramovic. Thank you. My guest has been upstate medical oncologist, Dr. Marima Ramovic. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine, brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.